I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the Thoughts on Money podcast. But I'm not the author of Thoughts on Money uh, article today. We have a guest author, none other than Mr. James Andrews. Hey, hey, glad to be back. Sean Latimer's here too. Hello, hello. But James, you're in charge. Tee us off. I'm running the show. So this is a passionate one of mine. I think about this topic most weeks, actually, because it's really relevant to life, to our work. Um, I struggled to write it for a while because I couldn't find a good intro. And then an event happened in my family about a week ago, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. And so my family, we do movie nights with my kids. I've got two boys, uh, five and three, so they're pretty young. So every Friday night is family movie night. We make homemade pizza. We make pillows and mattresses on the floor, get a nice Disney show, and it's a really good time. And then Christmas especially is wonderful because you have the lights and the tree and the garland, and it just it's very peaceful. Really setting the scene for us right now. Yeah, it, I, it's I, I enjoyed mood. reading it. I was like, oh, this sounds really nice. <laughs> it, it's a mood. Uh, we really make it special. I'm a known napper. So if there's any kind of mood, you can imagine that I will be asleep pretty consistently. So my younger one, Declan, who's three, we call him a tornado because he he kind of lives very loudly with his life. So he saw an opportunity to play a prank. So I'm asleep on the floor, cuddled with the kids. He gets up quietly, turns around and body slams me right on my sternum, about 40 pounds. And so I wake up gasping for air, thinking I'm dying. And I react and I admit this is a bad reaction as a dad, but so what happened, I grabbed the poor child and I threw him across the room. So he lands on the floor, obviously crying and hurt. I can't breathe. My wife is now not very pleased that I just threw the three-year-old across the ground and the five-year-old's laughing. It just went into utter chaos. I'll defend you, too. You probably didn't stand up, grab him, and throw him. It was probably more of a push, like an impulsive push, right? It, it was a throw. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I appreciate it, but I react. I thought it was dying. So it was a bad reaction, but it was funny because the article I'm sharing today applies to this because my, my kid, Declan, he had a prank. He thought it would be funny, and in some cases it was. But he didn't think what would happen next or next after that. He didn't think about the second and third consequences that come from that. And I find that's really true in a lot of financial decisions, in a lot of life decisions. We think about the, you know, what the decision does in the immediate, in the now, but we fail to really sit down and think through what happens next and the next after that. And so that's what kicked off this article. So you're going to know better than us when people say – second order or third order thinking are they literally for our listeners and for me yeah are they literally just saying like ripple effects or secondary consequences it's trying to anticipate what happens next so an example they give is like i'm hungry so let me just grab a candy bar real quick it fixes the hunger like okay cool that's a decision you make and then what happens after that well then i'm hungry again because it doesn't have a whole lot of sustenance so then you grab another candy bar okay well what happens if this continues for two months or two years and so you, you you try to extrapolate a decision or a pattern of decisions and see where does this take me and so there's a bunch of ways you can apply this so one of them i mentioned is man inflation is really high life is really tight right now i i need extra cash flow i'm just going to drop my 401k allocation just a couple percent just to kind of relieve the pressure a, an immediate change that helps with an immediate benefit not realizing that down the road that actually cascades into problems in retirement if that's the new status quo and so just understanding 
where does this line of thinking take me and what would happen next if I continued in this thought? Does that make sense? Yeah. And you mentioned in the article, and that's a really good example because uh, you mentioned that if you find something that confirms your bias yeah, and it's so true because if you're like, oh man, things are tight, what can I do? Like hardship loan or withdrawal or, and you Google something and it says, to re- oh, you can reduce your 401k contribution. You were already thinking that you're like, oh, done, problem solved. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, it's probably not the advice you needed. It's different because especially when it confirms a bias. So for markets, we all consume news. We all read different news articles. And I've talked in the past about how it's good to have a diverse inflow of information. Not everyone has that. So if your portfolio drops and it confirms the news that's telling you the economy is terrible, everything is in the sink and, you know, the whole world is imploding, you think, oh, man, I just need to sell and get out. Like clearly this is confirming what I already believe to be true. When maybe it was just a market correction that happened, right? Maybe there was a, it was a short-term blip, but when there's a pain and it confirms a decision you already want to make, it can exacerbate a problem. And now you're in a position where, oh man, I, maybe I shouldn't have done that in the long run. It actually hurts me, but it's hard to know that in the moment and just kind of like take a step back and think. I think what our listeners would want to know, what was the second order or third order consequences for throwing your child? <laughs> yeah. How was your decision making, James? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> my wife was pleased. I'll, I'll yeah, say, yeah. I'm bet. kidding. I'm kidding. I think there's a lot um, of memes about that. Where there was, you mess around, and then you find out. So maybe it was a good lesson for you know your yeah. son. I don't think he'll do it again. There was there was some restoration of the relationship that needed to happen. He felt a little betrayed. Did you guys so, finish the movie, or was the night over? No, we finished. Oh, okay. And so yeah, especially like in the family, like with the kids, you have to restore a relationship and show like leadership with apology, like acknowledging the mistake. And so you know he was hurt. He felt betrayed. You know, the dad that protected him didn't protect him in this moment. And so, you know, we pause, we talk through it, we hug, I apologize, and then usually try to make a kid laugh at the end. It kind of helps restore the trust again. So, we, you know, we tickle and then, you know, it's back to normal pretty quickly. But uh, it, it took some some work. Uh, that's <laughs> there's, good. There's something about when you're asleep and that happens. It's like you're not ready Fight or to flight. start thinking yet. Yeah, you just react. It was a reaction. It was a reaction. There's no other way around it. But it made for a really good intro because it's funny, when I'm thinking about this topic, I come up with a lot of examples from high school because when we're learning, especially high schoolers, as they're learning to have independence and make decisions themselves, they rarely think past their nose, right? They think about what happens next, right? I want a tattoo because it's really cool now. And they're like, well, what about two years from now? And so there's a lot of high school examples I could have given. I'm sure you guys may have your own examples where short-term decision-making didn't work out and how you intended it to work. Um, But it's so applicable in life because what we've learned is that a lot of times when things have a first order or initial consequence of like pain or hurt or discomfort, a lot of times the second or third benefits are greater because of it, right? Sacrifice now for benefits in the future. Yeah, it's funny you bring up high school because I I remember thinking back and the, I'd say the biggest difference, I'm glad you used a parenting one because in high school, we all thought we knew everything, right? No one could tell us anything otherwise, you know, you, and then you realize you're wrong and you're like, wow, I, I had no idea. But with parenting, we walk into it eyes open that we don't know what we're doing. You know, we're all just trying to figure it out as we go. And so I, and I think that most parents have had a similar situation where their kids, you know, they, you grow up, they want to wrestle and roughhouse and then there gets to a point where maybe they're getting bigger or stronger or whatever it is and you hey 
you can't jump from the top of the couch on top of me anymore. And they're like, why not? I'm like, well, you're 60 pounds down. It hurts, you know? So the, it's, I'm glad you used that example. It's, it's interesting, too, to connect the dots. Like, it's, I feel like it's a common thing in, like, a sitcom or a movie. Like, anytime they go back in time, they're like, don't touch anything because of the... Like, oh, a butterfly effect, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and doesn't exactly. that come from, like, a butterfly's yeah, wing? they drop, like, a candy bar and then, like... The, a city disappears or something yeah so it's just wild even like i think about it sometimes i feel like in a lot of social settings when starting conversations with new people they'll ask like how did you guys meet and then my wife or i will tell the story and then you'll see how like random it was you know what i mean and it's like oh like the stars just aligned and it worked out and it was it was funny kind of how it all fell through but uh you only live one life so you don't see the thousand different monte carlo scenarios of the way it could have gone but i guess for investors they have to be very thoughtful maybe not like crippling them for making a decision but what you're teaching us today is you have to be thoughtful not only what impact this will have today but also like a term we use a lot here is on future you right? Future you is, might be mad at present you 20 years from now based on the decisions and how um, you might have uh, leveraged their future for better or worse. Yeah. And so I think uh, most people agree like, okay, I need to think about the initial and then the second and third consequence. That's not a hard thing to wrap around and say, I get that. And so for the for this article, what I wanted to highlight more was well, why do we not do that all the time? Like what's holding us back from always looking at the second and third order event of events? And there are two things that came to mind. So the first one is immediate benefit over pain. Humans, by and large, we prefer comfort. And so if there's door A leads to comfort and door B leads to discomfort, by and large, we would prefer to choose door A, right? So they gave some examples, right? Lowering the 401k contribution to have a little more comfort today, sacrificing future comfort in the, you know, in your retirement, um, waking up early to go to the gym. It's hard, but the future benefits of your health are worth it. And so there was one area. So in a past life, I was an analyst for a mergers and acquisitions team. So we wrote deals for acquiring companies. And so my job as the analyst was to work on the financial model, the deal, the deal structure, cash, equity, you know, debt payments, things like that. What was interesting was the, the direction I got from the leadership team on how to create these deals was, hey, our preference is that we give the acquisition target an immediate benefit that draws them in and entices them for this deal. And we hold on to the chips knowing that there's a future greater benefit through synergies or whatever that might be in the future. And that was a common positioning tactic to say, hey, let's let's lure them in, not lure, let's, let's make a deal look attractive, right? Let's play on this um, human bias and let's be strategic about what upside we get down the road. And it was without fail, a common tactic we used. And it worked a lot of times because people like the cash up front. They like that security. Were you doing two deals in the same week and one was, from your perspective, just a lot better than the other? Yeah. So how did the other side, are they better negotiators or what was the difference maker? Like how desperate they were? I I, I guess maybe you could unpack that for us a little bit. Yeah, there were, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So like the time frame. So if someone's looking to sell and they want to sell quickly, obviously there's an incentive there that they'll give up other things. But the folks who were selling a business that saw this as a business transaction with an objective mindset were by and large more thoughtful. 
than those who were just excited about this next stage of their life and mm-hmm. just ex- had more emotion involved with it, whether it's excitement or anxiety. There was an emotional filter over a lot of their thinking and conversations, whereas the the guys that and gals that had a more business pragmatic approach were more diligent with saying, okay, well, what happens two years from now? Like, how do we all work together? How does my pay work? How does my equity work? Right? They were asking those long-term questions, whereas folks who had more of an emotional filter didn't get that far. They were thinking about the here and the now, maybe the next one or two years. That makes sense. I would imagine that time horizon is a big part of it. Or if one person's business is, is becoming uh, you know, outdated almost, or maybe the model isn't the same, and they're looking at it like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this forever, so I need to take advantage of the pricing now. And then they get excited, and they think like, okay, it's going to work out. And then it gives you all the negotiating power because they're almost like already convinced. They're convinced. They're yeah. ready to go. And so for for finance for finances for our lives, right? We we work with clients who have an emotional reaction to the markets, positive or negative. Right? There is that filter that comes into play, and so we have to sit there and try to be objective and say, okay, well, I understand cash is secure and you get money market returns, and that's nice and it gives you peace of mind. But like, what happens? two years from now? Like, do what do we miss or what do we lose out on? And so not saying money markets are good or bad, but just sitting down and thinking through the path, the immediate benefits to see where this goes, you know, what happens next? How do we, and maybe I'm the only one, I, I'm not the only one that does this, but I don't know if this is impacts you too, but I remember being in a pretty serious conversation with a friend recently and we were trying to, I, I feel bad calling it a riddle because like, we're not going to talk about the issue here, but it was like a serious issue. So essentially we're trying to solve a riddle and we keep getting to this place where we just start saying these like little adages. Um, and I think about, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but I'm looking at Sean, who's a big Laker fan. Oh yeah. And uh, I don't remember the gentleman's name. He's a point guard from Germany. Uh, oh, Schroeder? Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. yeah. So he. That was, that was good, Sean. Yeah, yeah good. good job. <laughs> so I think I said it at the same time, but I don't know. Um, so anyway, he, and this is from my memory. I'm not a Laker fan, but I'm pretty sure like he had a good contract opportunity. Yeah. And uh, it was like right in front of him. And he's like, nah, I'm going to wait. I'll get more. I'll get more. Right. Yeah. So I feel like I could convince myself either way with these. I don't know if they're called adages, whatever, but like, like Dennis, like burn the hand, take yeah. the deal. Right. Or like the other, my other shoulder could be like, no, double down on yourself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, so how do you get away from like, cause what you're talking about is second and third, like where those dominoes fall. H- how do you know where they fall? Right. Cause that's, that's a story that's memorable to Sean and I, but it could have worked out in his favor. Right. Totally. You yeah. could have had a great season and gotten more money. There were some big deals, but uh, I think what ended up happening is he turned down a pretty big contract. I don't remember the numbers, but really like sizable, right? Sizable, like mm-hmm. would have been a headline. And uh, and then he had, I think he, I don't know if he got injured or he, had, he didn't have a very good season. And then he ended up going to a different team for like a one year contract, much smaller, like money. league minimum or something, league mi- like way smaller, a fraction of what he would have gotten. And uh, it was definitely a bad call on his end. But we've seen the opposite in sports too, right? Totally, where somebody does bet on yourself. So like. That's what, when we were, my friend and I were trying to solve that riddle, we found ourselves getting to these little quips, little sayings, like whatever. And, and we were using this to make a final decision. How do you get away from, is that heuristics? I don't know. How do you get away from that? Yeah, it's hard. I don't, I don't quite know. Um, I, I know for me, it helps to just look at a time frame and just like zoom out a little bit, have that third person look. Um, and like for, for, for wealth and families, it's, it's 
we do that all the time once we have what we call the financial plan and we can kind of see the macro look and say, hey, look, even if the market drops X, Y, and Z. And so the time perspective really helps and just kind of taking a second back and looking at it in a broader picture and getting the emotions out of it. And again, for like the deals that we did back in the mergers and acquisitions years, it really helped to sit on decisions and I would model out various scenarios. Like, okay, well, like, let's say we go down door A. Like, what does that actually look like two years from now? Okay, what about door B? And so we would take time and model out various outcomes and just kind of see with a range of probability, like what we think is most likely to happen. And so exploring those options and saying, okay, well, what what does this look like? And sitting on it, hopefully it becomes clear. Sometimes it doesn't, um, but it is hard to know. Like when am I, when should I jump and when should I stay? It seems like if you can, and maybe this is like a math guy thing to say, but if you can try to incorporate probabilities and put some level of, I don't know what you call it, like a confidence score on a decision, yeah. um, it probably helps. Because I even remember in the discussion I'm talking about, my friend started to use an example, and I heard it out, but I'm like, hey, you like realize that's the exception, not the rule. You know what I mean? And I always remember that there's this old movie, uh, he's just not that into you, I think, and this girl keeps convincing herself. She's like, I think she's like dating a married man or something, and she's like, I, a friend of a friend told me a story of when they were both married, but then they met each other as true love and like worked out. And somebody's like, that's the exception, not the rule. Like yeah, there's only got a bartender or something. He's like, that's not going to happen. Like, no, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I guess at some level, when you're making a decision that is important, it's probably good to have a friend next to you to say like, Hey, this is how you think it's going to work out. Is that like a 70% chance or a 10% chance? If it's a 10% chance and you're putting a, putting a lot of confidence in it you probably want to pivot is that fair and make sure you pick the right friend too because uh and i'm guilty of this too but there's a lot of times where people are making a decision and you have a friend who's like you only live once yolo life's short you get, you get hit by a car tomorrow you know you never know and you're like you're right i should go on this trip so, so make sure true. it's the right friend i i took a friend uh buying my first like luxury vehicle before i should have ever bought one <laughs> and maybe i never will buy one again and he was exactly like that like you work hard you deserve, you deserve this, this. Yeah. and then <laughs> two years later i'm holding the keys of a lease where i've used all the miles in the first two years i'm like ah, i'm just this? saying his name in my head so i think choosing the right friend is probably there's a lot of wisdom there and we talk about it with potential clients we will tell them like make sure that you believe that there's trust here, like that I am trustworthy because there's going to be times where I give you advice you don't want to hear and you want to make sure that, I don't know, you're confident in my competence or my advice or whatnot because the worst thing is if you choose that friend or that advisor to give you guidance and in the moment where you really need it, you don't trust them. Yeah. I thought about something else when I was reading your article that people that make you know, gut decisions. Not, oh, I just trust my gut. And and it's worked out a few times, like fast, quick decision making. And you're like, oh, wow, that guy's really smart. And then until it like doesn't work, and then they'll justify it like, oh, that was a one-off, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work that way always, you know? Yeah, this book I'm reading right now, it talks about, it talks a lot about luck. And it was just saying some of those gut decisions, if they go right for you multiple times, there can be some huge compounding benefits, you know what I mean? So, um yeah, sometimes people's confidence score in their own decision-making is a little higher than it should be. I think we all have friends like that. The funny thing you said earlier, too, about asking, like, what's likely is when you ask someone and you go, hey, like, time out. Do you really think that's going to happen? And they go, it could. And I'm like, okay, that should kind of answer your question. 
Sean always takes them to the zombie apocalypse. I do. <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to hunker down, I'm gonna get it gold, and I'm going to get dry canned food. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, let's keep going. What about weapons? You got to defend yourself, right? And they're like, well, no, shoot a gun. I'm like, oh, well, then I'm just going to come take all your gold. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no. So hopefully I bring them back to reality. That That's probably not going to happen. Probably not. And so that's the second thing, right? So if the first barrier to thinking about the consequences is I, I prioritize, you know, immediate benefit over pain. The second barrier, I think, for a lot of people is thinking. So, and it's thinking logically and systematically. So the, the book I'm reading now is is Nudge by, I think it's Richard Thaler. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's referenced there. I think that's the name. Yeah. And so he talks about the brain and we have like two systems of thinking. There's two ways that we think about things. System one is like auto reflexive, I think, or no, automatic is the first one. Where it's that gut reaction. We just, we see a problem, we have a solution immediately. Like throwing your kid across the room. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly right. That's perfect. And then the second one is reflective, which is you sit down and you process things slowly and you really think about like what you said, Trevor, is, you know, probabilities, what might happen, the likelihood, things like that. And so system two is hard because it's not automatic and we always have almost always have like an automatic response to things, right? So the system one in that example in the beginning was I threw my child. It's not good. System two was, okay, now I need to restore the relationship. What do I need to reconnect with, you know, with my son? Like, what does he, how does he feel loved by me? How can I rebuild trust, right? That's a slow brain thinking of rebuilding, fixing a system one thinking of throwing my kid across the room. So it helps with wealth management, especially because I, I love this. This is a tangent, but I love chess. Like I really like the game chess. I think it's a lot of fun and I see a lot of parallels with chess and wealth management. So in the same way that maybe hedge fund guys like poker, cause it's risk and probabilities. I think us in wealth management, it's more like chess. You know, we have a board of a variety of pieces we have a variety of assets and levers to pull. They all work together. There's a common objective that's usually shared by the client and our job is to look at the board at large, help the pieces work together to get the best desired outcome, usually in the quickest way possible. And so that's that's second order thinking, right? That's thinking about, okay, how do I move this portfolio piece here to help mitigate this risk over there? And it slows you down from the here and the now, which is you open the news, the market is doing something, the news is doing something else. You feel like you need to react. Your gut is telling you to do something but you're not thinking about how the pieces work together and just like slowing down to think about that holistically, I think is helpful. That integration matters too, because I think from your vantage point, you might say something like this, I'm putting words in your mouth, but you might say something like taxes matter, but they don't matter the most, right? Like taxes in some decisions might be the most important thing to weigh in (laughs) other decisions. They might be subordinated versus other priorities and I think if you're not living in this day-to-day, that can be hard to conceptually understand. Yeah. Quick funny story about working with James. So he's a, obviously a critical thinker based off his article. But uh, he'll stop by and say, hey, quick question. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? And it goes into, how did we come up with this? And why do we do it this way? And what, did we, what are we trying to accomplish? And I realized, oh, this isn't going to be a quick question. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I can tell you that James does uh, implement this in his day-to-day life. It's a little much sometimes, but I can't help it. I like it. Hear what he means, know what he says. Do you have a minute? Means. Do you have 30 minutes? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Can I take a seat? Let's just just settle in here. 
Yeah, somebody, I don't remember, one of our coworkers used to do that. I'd be working, and he'd just walk in, and he'd sit down, and I'd just keep working, not make eye contact, because I'm like, oh, no, here it goes. (laughs) And then turn around, can I help you? (laughs) It's funny. So I know we're coming close on time. So I wrote in the end of the article kind of four quick things that you can look at in your own life and in your portfolio and your wealth just to bring this home. There are a whole host of ways that you can apply this. Um, And so I won't dwell on these too much because each one could be a tangent, but I'll I'll share them here for those who listen to the podcast. First one um, in ways to think about long-term consequences is rebalancing your portfolio at a gain. So a lot of clients I've learned is when the portfolio is at a gain and they have the winners and they're doing well, at some point you have to say, okay, like, is, have you gotten the juice out of this lemon? Like, is, is there any, is another 10 or 20% rally really likely or have we met expectations and it's time to pivot, pay the taxes and rebalance for a new world environment? That's a conversation I find I have a lot with clients is like, at what point do we say we have won? Let's reposition, right? Second one, uh, we talk about this sometimes as Roth conversion techniques, paying taxes today, even though we don't like paying taxes, more taxes than we have to pay to help for future estate planning needs. That's always a helpful one to look at. Um, bringing heirs into family wealth. So for the more established clients who may be hesitant about bringing sons and daughters or grandkids into the discussion of the family wealth, there's a concern there about the immediate downside of this might ruin my child. They might lose the money, right? The stewardship and the time it takes to mentor them. There's some initial downside consequences, but it also gives you a tremendous upside in mentoring and growing your children and helping them establish wealth. And so thinking about those hard conversations earlier rather than later can have really helpful compounding benefits. Last one is the avoidance of temptation. So especially in the COVID years where there were some meme stock rallies just ripping up the market. The temptation is to jump in, you know, pick up some, some extra percentage gain and then jump out. That's, that's very short-term thinking, right? That's short-term gains that may or may not work. It's closer to gambling and timing than it is a true investment philosophy. And so holding back on invest in stock purchases to really think about how does this play out in two or 12 months or two years? Like what, what is the realistic outcome? Yeah, so much I'm thinking of with those four things. But one thing that does come to mind is I like how you mentioned earlier, like the power of humor. Because we talk about the same subjects so often, sometimes to let down defenses and also just like put things a little bit more simple, right? I like humor and then I like expressing, and Sean does a good job of this too, like where the tension is. Like there's not always an obvious answer. So you mentioned something here like Roth conversions. So for me, this is kind of a joke, even though people don't always get it. I'll tell people, hey, when we talk about taxes, there's like two really important rules. One, you should never pay taxes early. And two, you should always pay taxes early if you can pay less. And then that opens up the conversation about Roth conversions is that there's a tension, but it can make sense if we can get some level of confidence on these variables that are unknowable because we don't know what future taxes are. But if we can put a confidence score there, right, that might be the wrong term, but right, like, but if we feel confident, there's some probability that um, it's feasible for a reasonable person to believe that taxes paid today would actually be less than when your minimum distribution start. For me, that framing is really helpful. A little bit of humor and then walk through where the tension is. Sean has a shoulder shrug. That was a shoulder shrug. That was good. 
Yeah, which means that he's done on this podcast. So <laughs> you've allotted reached, your time. We have reached the end. I'll leave. I'll leave it with this: is a, a lot of really good second, third order benefits that really get you the most out of what you're trying to accomplish in life. Have an initial investment that's negative, initial reaction that's negative. Right? We invest in our family and relationships. It takes time and effort. The community we get from that is huge. We save and we work. It's hard initially. The benefits are huge. And so I just encourage readers and listeners, look for opportunities in life where the first order is usually hard, knowing that the benefits are in the future self. And we we want to take care of our future self just as much as we take care of the personal self. Yeah, that framing of future self is quite helpful uh, because a lot of people live in regret. And what they're regretting is they wish past self made different decisions. I'm reading that book right now, and I've talked to both of you guys about it, uh, called Same as Ever. And uh, it talked about shortcuts that aren't really shortcuts, you know, and that get people in trouble. And the example, because he used a lot of historical examples. You guys are both familiar with the Donner Party? Mm, no. Oh, really? You guys don't know? Maybe it's just like, because I grew up in Northern California. So basically, they were coming across the country. Um, they got stuck in, I think, Tahoe or something uh, in the dead of winter. And uh, they're famous because... They ate each other, like oh. the, as 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 they died, um, they were starving. So they would mark the bodies, and they wouldn't eat their own family members. So he goes back in the story. Is how did they get there? They came across this. I don't remember the general's name, but when they were traveling, he pointed them and he said, "Hey." Most people are going through the tip of Idaho to get to California, right? Um, but there's a shortcut if you go through Utah. And he pointed them in that direction. Reality is it took them a month longer. And then they ended up in the Sierra Nevadas in the dead of winter. And they had to just hunker down and try to figure out, hey, how do we survive? So, um, but this whole chapter he, he laid out, which is a great way to end the podcast with how Sean's looking at right now, <laughs> but is shortcuts can get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Okay. And I see what you landed I, the plane. I was yeah. like, who brought the good news bear? Like yeah. James, you're doing so great. And then Trevor, yeah. <laughs> Trevor's like that. No. So, um, but this is just one example of many where he's basically showing like, here's where shortcuts can get you. And I think in life, when we see something that's like, Oh, that, I like that. That seems too good to be true. Like where there's a lot of gain with not any pain, right? So um, like this five-minute abs, right, for just five minutes a day uh, and then four-minute abs and three-minute abs. So it's something to be thinking about. I think in line with your subject of uh, benefits and consequences is that if it seems too good to be true or if it seems like a major shortcut – probably slow down the decision making. So uh, now that I've brought cannibalism into the podcast, (laughs) I think it's the first time for us here on Thoughts on Money, we will ask that you rate the podcast. Uh, Five stars are preferred. Uh, All comments are welcome. An easy way to get a hold of James, Sean, or myself, Trevor, would be to write this email down, Tom, T-O-M, at thebonsagroup.com. We will uh, answer your questions, um, take your complaints about cannibalism, uh, or anything else you'd like to send our way. Uh, And we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts on Money. The 
Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.